you have your Bible, would you turn with me please to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. If you were in a rush to get out of home this morning and get here and didn't pick up your Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you. We invite you to take a pew Bible and turn with us if you do not have yours with you this morning. Again, Isaiah chapter 6. And then there are a couple of passages in the New Testament that we will look at as well. As always, my sincere appreciation to David and to all of our musicians, all of them, those who do such marvelous things in leading us in worship vocally and those who play our instruments. I wouldn't want to leave anyone out with respect to our instruments. Jennifer, I love that symbol. To me, that's like an exclamation point, you know? There's a statement made that's biblical, that's true, that comes right from the Word of God, that's put to music, and then she goes, whack. (laughs) I like that. Thank you. (laughs) And not only that, I have been told it wakes some people up, so that's okay too. God bless you. Good to see you. To those who are our guests, I failed to mention this morning, when you leave, on my left, there will be a deacon or an usher there to give you a little a package that's uh, from Wake Chapel Church. It engenders uh, nothing, uh, seeks nothing in return. It's just something we wanted to give you. It's about the church and a little token of our appreciation for you being with us this morning. So all of our guests, when you leave uh, on the left in the foyer, there'll be uh, one of our men there to, to give you a, a small token of our appreciation of your presence with us. Pray with me. Father, only you can make use appropriate use of the words of men and women. We are frail creatures of dust. But we do thank you that we have God the Holy Spirit indwelling in every child of God to teach us the things of the Word of God. Help us, we pray this morning, to remember what you want us to hear and to hold on to. And may, as we walk through the church doors at the close of this service, if something has been said or something has been done that does not please you, that you would remove it from our minds. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is the third message from Isaiah chapter 6. It's a little briefer than the others, uh, but I would like for you to look with me and, and just follow along as we look through this chapter one more time. It just divides itself so easily. In fact, I, I can't think of a passage right now that that you could read and have it divide itself for us, outline itself for us, any more readily than the verses that we have looked at in uh, Isaiah chapter 6. Look with me, please, at Isaiah 6, 1 to 4. We have a, a vision, Isaiah's vision of the glorified king. Isaiah sees the king here. Uh, he is sitting on a throne. He is exalted. He is immense, verse 1. He is attended by seraphim, verse 2. He is announced as perfectly holy in verse 3. His glory fills the whole earth, 6-3 again. Inanimate objects tremble before him, chapter 6, verse 4. And the temple is filled with a cloud or with smoke uh, in verse 4. That's Isaiah's vision of God. That's Isaiah's vision of a glorified king. And then the second part of this chapter, is Isaiah's vision of himself. He sees God, the glorified king. He sees himself as a grieved prophet. 
look at verse 5. Woe is me, for I am ruined. Those are the words of a prophet who's grieved at what he sees. He says, I am ruined. And then he, he explains why. I'm a man of unclean lips and live among the people of unclean lips. And then he comes back to bedrock. But mine eyes have seen the king. He saw the king and that enabled him to see himself. My contention is that that worship begins with seeing with the eye of faith, uh, getting a glimpse of the vision of the glorified king, our resurrected Lord and Savior, getting a vision, getting a glimpse of him. And that enables us to see ourselves. And until we see ourselves, I personally, for one man, do not believe we have ever worshipped. Gone through a routine, gone through a ritual. But folks, we come to church not for me, not for you, not for us as individuals. We come to church to worship God. We have to start by getting a glimpse of Him. And that lets us see us and our needs. And there's not a one in this room this morning who hasn't come with a need. Isaiah's vision of himself. Would you notice some things in this vision? First of all, his brokenness. And I've already referred to this. Woe is me. His confession. I am a man of unclean lips and live among the people of unclean lips. So brokenness. Woe is me. Confession. Then in 6 and 7, verses 6 and 7, cleansing. Uh, please take special note. Verse 6. One of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from what? The altar. The altar was a place of sacrifice. I'll come back to that later in the message. He touched my mouth, verse 7. Behold, your iniquity is forgiven. Uh, Your iniquity is taken away. Your sins are forgiven. So there's brokenness in confession. There is cleansing. And then in verse 8, he hears the voice of the Lord. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, and you know those words, whom shall I send? Who will go for me? And then verse 9, in verse 9, Isaiah sees a vision of others. He sees God, he sees himself, he sees others. He sees the glorified king, he sees the grieved prophet, and he sees a guilty people. There are only two things I want to point out from verses 9 to 13, and then I'll try to pick up a few other things that I want to to wrap up with this morning. Verse 9 He said, go, tell this people. And Isaiah is a man, I think, of like passions. Uh, He hears the Lord saying to him, uh, the people are not going to listen. They're not going to perceive. They're they're not going to understand. They're insensitive. Their ears are dull. Their eyes are dim. Uh, and, And then the prophet. And I think what seems to me to be a very, very, natural question that flows out of what uh, the voice said to him in verses 9 and 10. And that question is, how long? How long? Lord, they're not going to hear. Their ears are dulled. They're not going to see. They're not going to perceive. How long do I do this? You ever wonder about that yourself? I teach, maybe you think I teach a Sunday school class. Though they are adults, they are about as attentive as junior boys. How long, Lord? How long? God gives him a 
termination point. And it has to do with until the people are taken to the Babylonian captivity. Keep it up, Isaiah. Don't stop. Don't be faint-hearted. Don't quit. Don't give up. So Isaiah's vision of God, glorified king, of himself, a grieved prophet, and then of others, a guilty people. It just breaks down so easily. And I trust that because we, if the Lord tarries these next few minutes, we will finish this chapter this morning. I hope that you will read through this chapter again. And dwell on verse 1 first. Just make that your meditation. Uzziah was the king. As I said earlier in a message, <clears throat> we are taken to a funeral in chapter 6, verse 1. Here the king Uzziah died. Folks, there have been some great kings in the line of the nation Israel. Uzziah is often compared to David and to Solomon. Uzziah came to the throne, and we look back in our first message, it's 2 Chronicles 26. Uzziah came to the throne when he was 16 years of age. God helped him. God blessed him. God strengthened him. That's what Chronicles says. And he reigned for 52 years. Everything went well. The farmers were happy during Uzziah's reign. The business community was happy during Uzziah's reign. The military was happy during Uzziah's reign. There were new weapons and there was greater uh, towers were built and there was greater security for the nation. And the farming was going well, agriculture, uh, business went well. 52 years. Now, I have a question that I have raised for myself for a long time. 6.1 of Isaiah says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. My question is, Isaiah, had you not ever seen the Lord before? I don't have an answer to that question. My own thinking is that during 52 years when everything is plus, it would be easy not to look to heaven, but to look to Uzziah. He was obviously a charismatic man, obviously a gifted man but I cannot answer the question to my satisfaction. Does this mean, it seems to mean, if you just read 6.1, in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord. It seems to mean, to me at least, there's a great possibility Isaiah is telling us that he had never seen the glorified Lord. The throne was now empty because of Uzziah's death. And I wonder, is that what raised, is that what elevated Isaiah's vision to see the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted with a train of His robe, filling the temple. I'm inclined to say that that's exactly what the verse means. The way it reads is exactly what it means. It all begins with a vision of the Lord. It all begins with a vision of the Lord. Now we have worked our way through the, the first and the second section. Here we come to the third section, verses 9. Uh, through 13, I'm not going to give, and I had not planned to give an exposition of uh, all of 9 to 13. I mentioned before the commission in verse 9 and the stick with it in verse 11. I want those two things to stay with us. Back to verse 9 with me. And he, that is the one on the throne, said, Go tell this people, 
I don't know, whether you mark in your Bible, maybe you want to circle the word people. God was interested in Isaiah's generation. He was not just interested in the prophet. He was interested in the prophet's generation. Go and tell this people. Again, Uzziah was dead. Isaiah had seen the Lord, knew who he was. Heaven had brought to him cleansing. Uh, the voice was heard. And that was for this man to be obedient. But God was concerned about the men and the women and the boys and the girls. And he was preparing Isaiah to reach them. Someone once asked Hudson Taylor. Mr. Taylor was the, or Dr. Taylor, excuse me, was the founder of China Inland Mission. Someone once asked him, why did God choose you to do such a marvelous work in China? And he did a marvelous work in China, by the way. In a moment, Hudson Taylor replied, would you listen to this, please? God chose me because I was weak enough. God chose me because I was weak enough. And then he went on to say, God does not choose great works to do his great works through large committees. He trains somebody to be quiet enough and little enough, and then he uses them. I'm overwhelmed by that statement. I mean, there's, the, there's a man that did this tremendous work, China Inland Mission. Why did God choose you? He was looking for someone who was little enough. And then he used him. Once again, and this will be the third time I've alluded to it this morning, would you observe the steps through which Isaiah went? He saw himself. After the vision of the glorified king, he saw himself. He realized his sin. He acknowledged his brokenness. There was confession. There was cleansing. There was obedience. Hear my sin me. There was obedience. And then he was commissioned to go. Where did it all begin? Where did all that begin? Dear people, it began with worship and with Isaiah seeing the glorified Lord. That's where it began. Worship, I believe, leads us to see not only the king. Worship leads us to see ourselves. And then worship leads us to work. Now, I'm, I don't have any difficulty thinking that most of you folks would agree with me on the first two of those. Worship begins with seeing the Lord. Worship begins with seeing myself. And then worship continues with confession, with cleansing, with brokenness, and then with a commission to get busy. Question. How do we, living today, see the Lord? A number of times I have said, with the eye of faith. I think that's reasonable. Eye of faith. Are we going to have the same kind of vision that Isaiah had? I do not believe so. But hear me well. I believe that we can see Jesus. I believe firmly that we can see Jesus. Now if you're thinking, and I hope you are, you question, Pastor, how? How? Take your Bible and turn with me, please. John's Gospel, chapter 5. John's Gospel, chapter 5. And we're dealing with the question, how can we today see Jesus? I have said we're not going to have a vision like Isaiah had. But how can we see Jesus? And I have said that we can. Now, that leads me to the how. 
John chapter 5, verse 39. John 5, verse 39. You with me? You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And notice the last part of verse 39. And it is these that bear witness of Me. The Scriptures bear witness of Me, Jesus said. Moses and the prophets and the writings. That is the entire Old Testament. It is written concerning Him. Master, I don't know about that. All right. Look at John 5, verse 46. John 5, verse 46. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me. Why? For he wrote of me. Moses wrote about the Savior. Now, if the Scriptures mean anything, that's true, folks. Moses wrote about the Savior. Now, Moses, you won't find uh, Moses sounding like uh, John 3.16. But the Scriptures say Moses wrote about Him. That's not all. Back up just a few pages to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Luke 24 verse 27 first. Luke 24 verse 27. And beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them things concerning himself in the scriptures. Jesus, this is the Emmaus situation. And, and, and Jesus said he taught them of Old Testament scriptures speaking of himself. Verse 44 of uh, that same chapter, Luke 24 verse 24, verse 44. Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me, notice, in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms. That's the law, uh, the prophets, and the writings are the Psalms. They speak of him. And he says they must be fulfilled. To see the Lord Jesus Christ, we come to His Word. To see the King, to have a, a, a glimpse like Isaiah had, we come to the Scriptures. Then and only then will we realize who He is, how great He is. Then and only then will we see ourselves and realize our own sinfulness and realize our need of cleansing. It all begins again. The foundation of all of it is to get a glimpse of the King. And then hopefully, by His grace, we will come seeking His cleansing and His forgiveness. Now the basis for this cleansing is forever sacrifice. The basis for cleansing is sacrifice. Did you notice, if you take a moment, just go back with me very briefly, quickly to Isaiah chapter 6 once again. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 6. I mentioned, I would refer to this later in the message. I mentioned it a while ago. Isaiah 6, verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the, next word is altar. Altar. That was the place that sacrifice was made. Ultimately, folks, when you read about the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, remember that it was designated to represent the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Old Testament sacrificial system represents the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
For you see, He is the Lamb of God. And He was slain on the altar of Calvary. The fires of divine judgment burned in Him when He spoke those words from the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What was going on then? God was meeting out the judgment that we deserve on the Lamb, on His Son. His Son took the judgment that I deserve, that you deserve. Ever hear people say, I didn't get what I deserve? You know, a lot of times, you just overhear things like that. And of course, we don't respond to them. At least we don't respond to them verbally. I respond to them internally. Ma'am or sir, you don't want what you deserve. You deserve the judgment of Almighty God. For all have sinned and come short of His glory. And you deserve the fires of hell. Strong? Biblical? Yes. We don't want what we deserve, folks. Amazing grace. My chains fell off. Amen. Amen. By virtue of what happened at Calvary, and those who come and put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, they have cleansing and they have forgiveness. Please remember there is one more step in Isaiah's journey, and that is his commission. Go. We don't have the same commission that Isaiah got in verse chapter 6, verse 9. Go tell this people. Our commission is in Matthew chapter 28. Go into all the world and make disciples. That's our commission. May I say to you, I strongly believe with everything that is in me, worship begins with seeing the Lord on the pages of sacred scripture. That resulting in our brokenness, our cleansing, through the work of the cross of Calvary and the Lamb of God there. But then, worship is shortcutted, if I can use that word. That's not exactly proper English. Worship is truncated if we don't go to the last part of it. Folks, may I say to you, we need to be busy about our Heavenly Father's work. You know, like I have, you've heard the stuff on the television, you've heard all the, seen all the marches, and uh, my wife was driving up 401 the other day, and there was 75 people walking, had one lane of 401 block. And people have a right to demonstrate. People have a right to say what they want to say. And sometimes Christian people, I think, think, what can we do? You know, dear people, uh, government can't change the hearts of people. The government can't change the hearts of people. You can't start outside and work inside. The change has to come about in the heart first. And to me, that means witnessing. It means evangelism. It means missions work. There are people whose hearts need to be changed. We have a commission. Get busy. Personal question. Two, and I'll close. Have you talked to somebody about Jesus this week? Why not? That's making an assumption, but pardon me. Have you talked to somebody about Jesus this week? Another question, and this goes back to the first part of the message, and the part I have tried my best to stress 
the foundation, beginning. It all starts with a vision of the Lord. Question, how much time have you spent seeing Jesus in your Bible this week? Life is hectic, I know that. People are busy. Some of the faces I'm looking into work 50, 60 hours a week. I know that. But you know what, folks? Sometimes the din, the roar, when we come into the sanctuary on Sunday morning is so loud. Several weeks back, I came in, I told people, keyboards, just stop playing. You couldn't hear them. Might not we use a bit of that time to come in and sit down and open the Bible and read for four or five minutes before the service begins. Because if we don't see Jesus, our worship will be cut short. It'll never get started. It'll never even get started. Pray with me. Our Father, may we enter into an experience like Isaiah's and enter into a point where it will seem like it is our own to see the glorified King, to see ourselves, and to see others in the task that you have given to us with respect to others. Reveal to us your character in order that we might see our need to come to you for cleansing or forgiveness. Expand our vision, we pray, to include a world that is lost, people whose hearts need to be changed, and cause some in this room this morning to say, as did Isaiah of old, Here am I, Lord, send me. We pray this for your glory and for our blessing in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Bulletin, there's a little note today that says 28 years ago, Louise and I joined church here. I think it's correct. Uh, Louise and I and my son, Mike, and my daughter, Jenny, uh, we were sitting, I think, about on the third row over there. And when the invitation was given, we joined the church that Sunday morning. And God bless your hearts. You have been so sweet to us. I got to tell you the honest truth, okay? There are pastors that I know that I feel sorry for. Um, you folks are very gracious. We love you. Now, uh, things have changed a lot since then. Uh, one on a very lighter note, I was speaking to a sweet lady just to my right here before the service started. Uh, we had revivals every year when I came here. It was ongoing, and I continued that for a long, long time. And... Uh, during the revival time, uh, folks in the congregation would volunteer to open their home and feed the preachers uh, before the service. And so I was sitting at a table, a uh, bountiful table, uh, and the hostess mother was seated across from me. And uh, she had some, some years on her. She was a very gracious lady. And we got to talking about food, you know, because this table was so bountifully filled. And uh, I don't know, I think she made the comment first, or some someone did, 
about a particular kind of fried meat. And I said, well, folks, uh, I, I grew up, and tell you something about my home, and I made this comment at the table, uh, my dad, every once in a while, had to have some fat back. How many of you know what fat back is? <laughs> well, still there's a lot of you that do. And my, our hostess that night, I, if my memory serves me correctly, and dear, you correct me, but, uh, I, her mom said something about that. She said, side me. And mom looked at me and said, Pastor, I got some fat back in the kitchen. You want to go with me? <laughs> I said, you bet I do. <laughs> and because, uh, it was, uh, their home and whatever, I excused myself and me and that sweet lady went in the kitchen while everybody else was eating dinner and we had some fat back. Things have changed, except for you folks. You are as kind and gracious as ever. Louise and I put the flowers in today. They're in your honor, to the glory of God and to the honor of folks at Wake Chapel Christian Church. Uh, thank you for your kindness and for your love. I've got feet of clay up to my knees and you love us anyway. God bless your hearts. We love you. Mr. Farias, if you will lead us in prayer, Louise and I are going to go out to the back. Hope that we'll have the opportunity to, to greet you and to say thank you. Pray with me. Dear Lord, uh, we thank you for this day. We thank you for a new day. You make the day new every day that we can wake up. Lord, we especially thank you that you brought Pastor Marion and Louise here 28 years ago, Lord, nearly three decades. And Ross continues to preach your word without compromise and without excuse, Lord, and we just thank you for that. Lord, as we sung this morning, you are God of grace, Lord. Uh, we thank you for your grace and mercy. Your grace and mercy that uh, you gave us through your son, Jesus Christ, who covered for our sins, Lord. And we thank you for that. We thank you for those here today, Lord. And we thank you for this church, this congregation, Lord, uh, the loving spirit here, and for those who show a care and love for one another. Lord, um, we especially lift up uh, Kevin Green and Myra, and especially Kevin Green's family, in the homegoing of his dad, Lord. Um, you give us life and you take it away. And Lord, um, when we are prepared to go to our future home, Lord, that Jesus has prepared for us, um, we can live forever with, in the presence of Christ. Lord, we continue to lift up those on our prayer list, those who need your healing touch. And as we prayed last week, Lord, um, we just asked you that if we prayed, could you perform a miracle in Don Guy? And likewise in Tom Jeremko. And Lord, um, their never-ending battle with their cancer, Lord. You have given them strength. Uh, you have given them comfort, Lord. And we just ask that you be with those two men and their families, Lord, uh, during this time of trial. Lord, uh, we lift up the Sikhs as they travel in deputation. And we ask that you bring them back safely uh, without any difficulties, without any problems with vehicles. Lord, uh, we lift up others on our prayer list that uh, need your care. We think of Gordon Stevenson and Catherine Adcock, Lord, and we especially lift up Barbara Harris in her 
soon to be uh, lung transplant, Lord. Uh, we just ask you to give her comfort and reassurance and the doctors, the hands, and guide their hands, Lord, that uh, the surgery that will be performed will be extremely successful. Lord, uh, we lift up our mission of the week, uh, Association of Baptists uh, for Well Missions, Paul and Penny Hessman, and their three, ch three children, uh, Joshua, um, Michael, and Catherine, and they're in Durban, South Africa. And we just ask you that uh, you continue to provide for their safety, uh, provide for their well-being and financial support, Lord, and their prayer support, Lord, that Paul will continue his ministry there that he has done for some years now. And Lord, we just thank you that uh, this church has a giving heart, and that uh, we do fund missions to a very high degree, Lord. And we just thank you for that, and thank you for blessing, blessing us. And Lord, as we go out this week, as Ross has mentioned, help us to see Jesus, Lord, and help us to share it with someone who may not know him, and that uh, we can provide encouraging words and provide some insight as to what it is to be a believer and to be uh, have salvation in Jesus. Lord, go with us. Keep us safe, Lord. And if it be your will, bring us back together next week in worship. And uh, we give you all the honor and praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.